folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then he'll rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Ferris Bueller's Day Off, directed by John Hughes, Shazam by David F. Sandberg, we have newly released Shazam Fury of the Gods by David F. Sandberg, 65 by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, and finally newly released Inside, directed by Vasilis Katsupis. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Thomas, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay for me. How was your uh, week of movies, man? Uh, well, I'll say we what? got no, no surprises. No good? No good. It's just happened to treat you well. Uh, listen, there's, there, there's some surprises this week, almost as every film was a surprise in its own way. Its own little gift to me this week. I will say it's a funny week. Yeah, yeah. It's a funny week for a few yeah. different reasons. I mean, this uh, I like this list because it's all over the place, and yeah. I know you had some difficulty with, the, with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about that, but I think it's going to make for some good commentary. It's great. It's great. Um, Sunshine and daisies. Yes. I just, I'm going to pitch it now for the end of the show. We're going to do my birthday movies. Oh, yes. As I said. And, and folks, I do not know. Hand to God, I have no idea what he's going to throw at Very me. Excited. I'm guessing a lot of Westerns. As I said last week, the power has gone to my head. <laughs> he total I, ego how trip. How mean do I, again, how mean do oh, I be? Oh, it's a... Because I can finally get what I want. You know what I mean? But we'll discuss it later. Anyway. I thought July being all Westerns. I, 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 I... July, okay, let's... <laughs> we'll get one thing straight here. July was not all Westerns. <laughs> July was one... Semi-Western a week. <laughs> That's true. It's, it, it's it not was, like it, October all horrors. Yes. Yeah, it right, was right. a month of one Western a week, but really some of them were kind of half Westerns. <laughs> we had about two and a half Westerns yeah. of the roughly 300 films that we've done so far <laughs> right, right. on the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. <clears throat> so, yeah. Well, you know, you know. It's okay. You know, it's it's my, all right, Some Westerns. say it's my genre. You know, it's all right. It'll still be on podcast. <laughs> Uh, anyway, my birthday movies, and that'll be at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, for right now, we're going to finish off our John Hughes film study. John Hughes is directing. He is uh, he's uh, writing, of course. Yeah. This is 1986. This is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We have been talking it up like it's the best one we've watched. Mm. So let's actually see how it holds up. Uh, Ferris Bueller, Vin, how do we like it? Absolutely. Uh, I, I got to say, I've watched this movie a lot. I really did love it, and I think... Um, 
it was it was great to return to it with the momentum of watching all these other movies because I, I almost in every review I was spotting something to say oh that that leans towards Ferris Bueller yeah. you know he was like he was building towards it yeah exactly so folks it is the final destination for the John Hughes study such a pinnacle of both eighties and and. Hughes' own style uh, in his filmography. Uh, I've seen this many times, but something clicked when watching this again. Maybe it was, like I said, the Hughes progression, paying attention as he was building uh, his career as a writer and director, uh, or maybe it's just watching in the context of 70-plus episodes on the podcast under my belt. You 75, know baby. We're on 75. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of movies. And watching <laughs> this, I was like, Wow. This is a really great movie. I'm really enjoying this. It's kind of refreshing. So. <laughs> refreshing for this week as well. So uh, I walked away with a really a great appreciation for this film, and and honestly, this being the kind of the thematic endpoint for the John Hughes study, I am gonna I'm gonna rant a little bit on this film. Uh, if that's all right, <laughs> yeah. Shot no. me a look. No, no, no. I think go yeah go long on the film, but it's also a wrap up of you know this long John Hughes study that we've exactly. Been on. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ferris Bueller is one of the most popular kids in high school, but his only concern is to have a day off to maximize his closing days before adulthood. The greatest day off to experience a pastel of life and truly live life to the fullest. He can't fool everyone, though, as both his sister and principal are fed up with his wise guy attitude and routine and plot to bring his day off to a close. Honestly, Hughes as a writer was famous for cranking out full scripts over a weekend just for fun, and though this film feels simple, it really is uh, deceptively holding a secret ingredient, and that is pacing. The pacing, I think, is immaculate here. Uh, it is Oof. so well... Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of another word for pacing. It is so... Uh, it's fluid. It's fluid. It's fine-tuned. This constriction of having it being tied to just the school day was one of the greatest things to be done for this oh, film. Yeah, uh, It's not a full day. It's just a school day. So what that does for stakes, what that does for story structure... Uh, what that does for everyone kind of understanding that there's only going to be so many hours that he can party and live it up until he has to get back for his parents coming back. There is just such a, a, a masterfulness about taking something mundane like a school day and actually making that the stakes of the film and something that all audiences can understand. I mean, I really think that's the secret ingredient to why this film works as well as it does. I, yeah, I definitely like the box that it's in. And at the same time, it's almost has more to play with where unlike a breakfast club mm -hmm. where we're confined a lot to the school. Right. Here we have, you have a big, way bigger playground mm -hmm. where you can have the whole city basically. Oh, absolutely. So that also adds another thing of keeping it fresh and, you know, keeping it interesting on screen. Kind absolutely. Of. Yeah. And even, even with Breakfast Club, like it's a full eight hours. I don't know even if they're suggesting it's a full eight hours with Ferris Bueller's Day Off because he kills time at home. He has to pretend he's sick. Right. But so there's this, I don't know, there's this vice script that is on the script, on the plot that yeah. keeps us engaged, even though the events around the city, the, you know, the activities that Ferris does with his day off, they're really mundane. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not like anything that is life or death. He's having a fun time. He's experiencing life, but that is given context that is given stakes by this, this confine of, of it's within one day off. It's one within one school day. So I think, uh, 
I was just really appreciating that, especially in, and we'll, we'll touch on this in multiple yeah. times for, for this episode with multiple films, how pacing, even in a brief film, can be fumbled. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, so, like, to have it executed upon so well, I mean, man, I, I was just really, really in love with it. Uh, and I felt like I really, I, I wanted to lead off with that. Um, personally, I feel... All of the cast here escapes being annoying and shows none of the weaknesses we covered in previous entries. I think it's a big reason why in this, Hughes finally casts actors a little bit beyond their age curve. All throughout the last films, these actors are incredibly young to the point of actually being real teens under 18 uh, and even being the Achilles heel for the drama in something as sharp as a script like The Breakfast Club. Uh, the cast here, Broadwick is, is, uh, Broadwick is 24, Alan Ruck 30, Mia Sarah 20, Wow, he's 30. Yeah, yeah. Wow, he that, definitely that looks younger. Su- yeah, yeah, yeah. by surprise, too. I cannot watch Succession and see him and not think the <laughs> of him going, when Cameron, what? I can't do it. <laughs> wow, he's 30. He, well, they play him off well. Yeah, absolutely. A, yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I originally chose these five films for the study because they were the iconic teen comedies. Mm-hmm. So I, I was kind of asking for kid actors and choosing these films for their kind of iconic teen 80s elements over other Hughes films like National Lampoon, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Like, these are just as iconic in his early work. Yeah. yeah. So uh, here, seeing all the cast thrive, once again, it was a little bit of a light bulb because, I don't know, I mean, I feel like Hughes' writing is always on point. He's always having fun. He always has something surprisingly emotional to say about the teen Mm. experience at Mm -hmm. the time. Uh, Here, they're able to capitalize on the writing and the cast itself. And again, personally, I think none of this dips into annoying. We don't get a Pretty in Pink scenario where, like, Ducky was, like, the worst thing in the movie, you know? Yeah, Yeah. so, uh, or John Cryer. So, um, yeah, I I think it's it's, it's a uh, fine-tuned approach there. Broderick, I would say, is incredible in this. I'm I'm a fan of Matthew Broderick uh, in a lot of things. Uh, He's he's got a great, charming performance, and uh, once again, at least in my opinion, uh, one of the most successful fourth-wall-breaking characters put on screen. It's probably a pretty short list, if I'm being honest, and... One dominated by, you know, the modern Deadpool approach of cracking jokes out oh, of screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. But I feel like Broderick's character, Ferris, is, man, it, it just, I, I don't know. I, I There was never a point that I was like, oh, boy, like, can we speed this up? Or that the jokes weren't working, or that his charm wasn't it was, working. Yeah, he needs to sell it. Yeah. This is, uh, what is that show on Amazon? Fleabag, I think it is. Okay. And that's a fourth wall breaking. Oh, and sure, she sure. does a really good job with oh, it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But it's, you need the actor to do it. Yeah. Or else it's. I guess it's just cheesy, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was really trying to dissect in my mind what, what, why does this work versus mm. maybe something else uh, doesn't work, uh, and I don't know. I think a little bit is that Ferris gets the spotlight and really never chips away as, at his cool, never chips away at his defining character features here. Right. Yeah, but it was tough. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really call a definitive heads or tails on why I think it works so well or why it escapes being annoying specifically. Right. But I don't know. What are your thoughts there? I mean, uh, have you have you seen Bueller's Day Off before? Uh, of course, yes. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I've seen I've definitely seen it a few times. Right. Uh, it's been a while since my last watch probably. I think he just sells it. I think that's the thing. The writing is is good enough. Sure. And Broderick sells it. Yeah. Absolutely. So you made a comment. I was going to bring this up at the end, but I'm interested to hear it now. <laughs> sure. You said that you're a fan of Broderick and you're a fan of a lot of things he does. 
Um, what does he do? What, I like what producers. He, what has he done? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe not a lot of things he does. I yeah. was shocked to see that he is coming. He is going to be in a movie soon. He, uh, with Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Uh, it's like yeah, a, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very excited. I was like, oh, good, finally. Yeah, like, yeah. Where have you been for, what, 20 years? For sure. He's got, like, long hair, too. It's like, it looks good. what's going on? Um, I mean, he does a lot of Broadway stuff, but we're not the uh, biggest Broadway kind of guys. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that's where kind of my comment, maybe maybe I personally am not a fan, but I, I respect at least uh, some of the work he does. Yeah, uh, definitely. Broadway. I mean, I, I think I think my ending note with, with, with Broadway... Broad, eh. I cannot pronounce his I messed name. messed it up too. Broderick. <laughs> uh, I think my ending note with Ferris is that I could easily criticize how he's just, his character is just like a master at social engineering and hacking and, you know, almost kind of out there stuff, just like I was throwing some knives at, at Weird Science uh, last week. But I think it, once again, it's it's the right ingredients in the right time and the right execution. I think how it plays into the comedy mm-hmm. makes it worth the experience. And where I think Bueller as a character escapes criticism that I almost have with all the Hughes films so far. I think this film is also much, much, much funnier than everything we've covered so far. I was maybe giggling at some stuff uh, every now and again. Actually, 16 Candles, I did get some genuine laughs out of me. But honestly, I was surprised at the genuine laughs I was getting out of this film. And no less, after so many rewatches, Jeffrey Jones is fantastic as Principal Rooney. Uh, Somehow he balanced is like menacing and idiotic at the same time because he really is like he's a threat to Ferris in this film like he's after him the whole time he's going to his house like these are serious threats to his day off as silly as that sounds but um, man he just makes a surprisingly good villain and it's just hysterical I don't even know (laughs) great point yeah other things that Jeffrey Jones is in I think um, he's got that he is recognizable yeah but you don't you're not like just like oh he's in this and this and this yeah yeah he is in things though absolutely there's also an excellent running joke uh, about the support for Ferris while he's sick and it reminded me of that great quality in Airplane where the long longer the joke runs the better it gets and right, this yeah. is this is a joke that literally runs for the entire length of the film which is great and it builds and a lot of the times it's just in the background too they don't even recognize it right. so once again i mean i i've obviously seen this film plenty of times before i know i like this film i feel like watching under a context of as a critic you know yeah, uh, yeah 75 yeah. episodes under my belt yeah understanding why I recommend a movie, uh, and then on top of this, understanding in the context of, wow, I'm seeing Hughes as a writer, really just fine-tune and tune and tune. I, I just had a huge appreciation for the comedy specifically in this film. It was it was really great. It's a cool thing to see, and it's a cool thing to watch somebody hone something in and just get closer yeah. and closer to the bullseye Absolutely. through his work. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and, I mean, third little secret here is, is that we could have in a completely other film study as well with him. Oh, we could probably have a solid is- three. Well, I mean, he he you know he sticks with John Candy for a little while, mm-hmm. and then he sticks with the Home Alone. Like, yep, he, there's so much going on, but yep. that's how fast he was at writing, which yeah. is nuts. He really just cranked him out, yeah. absolutely. But going with the teen route, I think was a great great building block. Yeah, I, I feel understand who Hughes is, yeah. and how is he kind of you know transforming basically. Absolutely, and, and where he gets his start ultimately. You know, I mean, after not too long after this, again, playing the streets and automobiles is a little bit of a, of an outlier, but. Uh, after this, uh, he uh, he ditches uh, directing just for writing, and you can right. see that he probably recognizes that as his strength. Did he do Uncle Buck? 
Yes. As well? Okay. Uncle Buck, Mr. Direct. Mom. Uh, I don't know if he directed okay. Uncle All Buck. Right. But yeah, let me put some pieces in place, at least for my appreciation for this movie and how it was clocked up specifically for the study. And I, and I, and I want to highlight this specifically because, folks, if you haven't been listening to 100% of the episode, maybe these huge movies haven't caught your eye or anything like that, or the, the 80s-ness have kind of turned you off of it. I feel like there are elements there that are adding to some of my appreciation. Uh, I noticed that Hughes is beginning to juggle two antagonists, um, this being Jeffrey Jones and then playing Principal Rooney, and then also Jennifer Grey working against him as a sister, of course, pre-Dirty Dancing with mm. Jennifer Grey. And that's a stepping stone off of weird science uh, for juggling that. Key, once again, for the pacing, I think... You take a concept like this and you put it in lesser hands or you put the pen in lesser hands and it becomes a cute movie. It becomes absolutely a teen movie, but also maybe a nothing movie. And I think, again, a secret element here or a secret ingredient is that you have two forces working against Ferris in addition to just the prospect of him getting caught, his parents finding out. Right, you know, yeah. There's so much working yeah, against yeah. him to have as good of a day that he's having. I mean, it's, it really is. It's just masterful. The soundtrack, I think, is genuinely great, and not just for the music selection, it's used a lot more sparingly. It's not shoved down your throat. I forget. So recognizable, too. Oh, yeah. The main, the main theme is so recognizable. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I mentioned with most of the films uh, that we covered previously that the soundtrack is very heavy-handed, and in Sixteenth Candle's case, almost drowning the experience out. I think in Sixteenth Candle's, I called it almost Suicide Squad Syndrome or uh, Forrest Gump Syndrome. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it almost becomes too much. Here, once again, it's the same type of music. It's all new wave. It's all you know mid-80s type of pop, but it's just used better. It's just the the. It's a little bit more sparingly. Uh, it's not shoved down your throat. And while the script doesn't gun for the emotional intensity in the Breakfast Club, uh, in a much better way, it's able to jug juggle what a day means for our characters. Uh, you know, on the cliffs of growing up. Uh, it's not trying to make these big arcing strokes of wow this is the teen experience but in a little bit of a a little bit of a study what does a day free from the expectations of their parents mean and obviously that playing a lot more into the characters around ferris as well so tom uh, i'm gonna show my hand a little bit and say I watched this twice. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and somehow I had the time. They were, they were all kind of short, wow. short watches this week. <clears throat> yeah, this um, is what, an hour and 43, I think? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. 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 Uh, a rare double watch. A rare double watch. Uh, and I seriously think this is one of the greatest teen comedies of all time. Um, not because there's a, a hidden emotion or drama that elevates it above its teen status, but instead it's true to its own concept, and the importance of a teen story kind of comes naturally to it. Uh, I would say Hughes has all the same ingredients, all the same factors in play with his previous films, but the execution is flawless here, and simply could not shake the feeling after watching this two times that this is a must-watch. We're going to go ahead what? and give Ferris Bueller no, an 87. <laughs> an 87? 87, I'm telling you. This I was... I have to watch this again. Almost overwhelmed with the feeling of I just like, how could again. someone not watch this movie? You know, from, I, I, from top I, to bottom. A must-watch. <laughs> you got me speechless on this he's, one. He's speechless. Rare. Rare because I don't even have anything to say to this. <laughs> rare also for the leading up 
to uh, this movie. You know, Hughes has not been doing great. Wow, no, but boy, does he make it up. And it should be. <laughs> what's the first one we did? Was it Pretty in Pink? Or uh, 16 Candles. Okay, that was what, 83 or 84? Uh, uh, as far as the year, yes. Yeah. yeah. This is only 1986. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It does have a huge runway, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he keeps on bumming them out. Okay. I cannot. You gave it an 87%. I, I'm telling you. I'm te- I, I, I thought long and hard about this. You know, I don't throw out these numbers just for uh, for numbers. I, trust me. I know. Yeah. And if anything, That's... what surprised me is that, if, if anything, the, the, the average online, the average perspective is that this is just kind of, oh, it's cute 80s movie or anything like that. I'm telling you. It's all in the details. It's all in the execution. Uh, I really strongly believe that's a must-watch. <laughs> I can't believe. It. I mean, I, 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 I like being shocked. I, I like being shocked. That's for sure. I told sure. you, I got you. I had some surprises this so week. So this is like in the top ten percent. I mean, we're almost approaching. I think like a thousand films <laughs> yeah. between the master list and this, basically, yeah, that we're yeah. plugging away on. Yeah. Wow, eighty-seven. 87%. A phenomenal score, people. Everyone, everyone this week, go and watch go Ferris Bueller's watch Day Ferris Off. Bueller's. Treat yourself, watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wow, okay, Vin. Yeah. I would say the only other note I really have... Cannot of- wait for Flubber! <laughs> <laughs> Will it top it? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, the only other note I have is that um, I-, I think I enjoyed this so much that I want to kind of give an extension to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Just because, like, not that it's part of the film study oh, we're or anything. extending the studies, is that what no, you're saying? No, but, like, you know, I'm, it's yeah, going to be on the, in the coming weeks. I definitely want to watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So, I actually, this is, uh, it was on my radar because basically the only other movie podcast that I like mm-hmm. and will listen to from time to time, mm-hmm. uh, they have, they did that kind of recent, kind of recently. Sure. Uh, but it's something that it's just like, I would like to watch that again. Yeah. Yeah. So and I I'll think it would be good to get up. some John Candy on the list, too. You think that could creep in for the birthday episode? Or? <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I'm not getting away with no. that. No, <laughs> I wish I had 14 birthdays in this year. Whoa, there's so much content. There's so that much that you need to watch. <laughs> says me. 87 percent though, Vin. Uh, really good. I, I would love to do more John Hughes. I mean, yeah. not like in every week. Maybe you know what I mean. Just right, like a sprinkling right. here, or there. Just like, oh, what am I going to do for a fifth film this week? Yeah, throwing a Hughes. I think instead of watching sequentially, I'll probably jump around a lot more, and yeah, that way like, we kind of avoid you right. Know, we'll wait for some the end. dark spots. You know, yeah. For for Christmas, months away. That, that home alone, that, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty to work with there. Absolutely. Eighty-seven percent for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Fantastic. Wow, it's a must-watch, folks. I can't wait to put that on the site. It's fantastic. <laughs> Okay, we went long on that one, so here we go. We're gonna jump long. This is a very new kind of episode here. Oh yeah. Now yeah. we're just we're already in 2019. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into it. It's Shazam! Exclamation <laughs> point. Uh, nice. A Philly movie. You know we've been Bro, in, we've been in Philly quite like a bit. Not like Creed though. No. This is barely Philly. <laughs> <laughs> 2019. Kind of explain and set up the character of Shazam. Sure. How is he to be? Where does he belong in the universe of the universes? <laughs> the uh, universe of the. And like I said, how was Shazam? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sh- uh, Shazam is a weird character, a weird superhero, um, and honestly, a bit of a blind spot for comic book knowledge-wise for me. The character has existed for quite some time, actually going back to the 50s, believe it or not. Okay. But but really, most of the modern stories, the modern appeal of the character comes from DC's new 52 revamp of the comics throughout the 2010s, roughly 2010 to 2016. 
when you say the 2010s, then these the 52, you said? Yeah, so what this is, is on the comic book level. Oh, the yeah. actual comic book line. Okay. Yeah, most of the Shazam stories, the love for Shazam is coming from a comic book revamp that is called I DC's see. New 52, okay, basically. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, 52 uh, superheroes revamped, and Shazam being a very successful one from that. Okay. So, there was also a show in the 70s, I think, too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Briefly, yeah. Yeah. Like we covered in Black Adam and in the review of Black Adam, uh, his power are, is sourced from ancient mystical magic to basically give him like Superman abilities. He, he has it all: super strength, flying. You know, he's got lightning instead of laser eyes. You mm-hmm. know, he's he's got it all. Uh, but Shazam isn't The Rock or Henry Cavill. He is actually just a kid. This film is kind of a lighthearted nod to 1988's Big. Our character here, Billy Batson, is an orphan teenage boy. And the biggest part of the movie that works, uh, I would say probably the best part of the film, is that he acts like a kid with his superpowers. Uh, he's enamored by that he's, you know, he's thrusted into being a superhero. Simply saying the word Shazam sends a bolt of lightning to transform him into an avatar of strength, fully grown and all. Uh, and he may be powerful, or really all-powerful in a lot of instances, but without a doubt, this movie works best when the comedy is around his excitement of experiencing superpowers for the first time. Him signing himself out of school as his own parental guardian. Mm. Uh, him stopping a mugging because he wants beer, not liking the beer, and going back and getting snacks. You know, that's when the film is at its best, and... Uh, Zachary Levi is a huge reason for this comedy working. Um, he play, he has a great playfulness uh, that sells the whole thing. But is Zachary Levi is the adult version. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like we'll get into in just a moment for Shazam Two, I would say it works when there is a balance of kid and adult. If anything, like a setup to Zachary Levi's jokes, you need that kid portion to it for him to kind of be funny, kind of for him to actually follow Mm. through on on the jokes and for it to really land. When he's just 100% superhero, it's not landing as much. I also want to give some slight credit to this being a superhero movie where he actually gives a damn about saving people. Um, (laughs) You know, this plays into a more kid-friendly tone, which I think is important for Shazam, but it's also soft the hyper gritty tone for this phase of DC you know I mean it's all it's all blue lasers in the sky the world is ending we gotta we gotta get down there and stop the blue laser you know I mean that's a lot of these DC properties and very dark in its tone I, I think there is a uh, refresh that happens. Uh, it's not as bland having this uh, this kid focus, but also as a kid, he cares about saving people like he like the superheroes he looks up to. Also, a secret Christmas movie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Add <laughs> to the list. Yeah, add yeah, to the list. We gotta add to the list. That's about it for praise, though. <laughs> that's that's really? that's all the gases in the tank. <laughs> Everything outside of the superhero comedy is super generic. I mean, all of it. Shazam's mythos. You know, I mean, I'm I'm kind of criticizing the comic at this point. Uh, it's just it's just very lame. Mark Strong as the villain, Doctor Savannah. 
I had to look that up. I was not remembering his name. He's not a memorable villain. He's just like, I mean, almost almost maybe to the joke of the film. He's super generic bad guy. Cookie cut, pretty cookie cutter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He basically gets an evil eye and can summon demons. Like It's like, okay, all right. And I think the burden of yet another origin story. It's a lot of rinse and repeat because, mm. you know what I mean? You got to do these origin story things, you know? Uh, it doesn't make it interesting, though, because you have the kid being an adult, kid uh, found superpowers. As that plays in the comedy, sure, but all work a fraction as well as that comedy. And if anything, the ending's paramount. It, if the ending is the superhero ending, it's, you know, that 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 is kind of the defining feature of the film. Right, okay. Uh, and don't get me wrong, you know, I mean, I'm walking into a superhero film that's kind of expectations, but sure. I, I did not find some of these... You know, people people love this film online. They were like, "Oh, it saved." People DC. like this. People yeah. like this movie. Yeah, I did not find it was. It didn't escape. You know, the comedy wasn't as good uh, to escape uh, the the very generic parts that it had. And boy, does it have a lot of generic parts. Okay, all right. So. You can really feel it in every scene, too. Uh, it goes from enjoyable and clever to just painfully generic. Um, the first confrontation between Mark Strong and Shazam is a perfect example of this. He's just, like, in a parking lot, and he just, like, shows up. It's just... It's just bad. <laughs> I mean, most of the most of the the movie, he's referred to as super villain by the other orphan friends. Okay. <laughs> like, if that doesn't if that doesn't sell, that the villain maybe isn't compelling enough. You know, that, that that's kind of the problem. This uh, this generic slop is important to note, though, because while I agree, the film is a comedy first. Uh, like I said just a moment ago, Tom, I mean, the, the climax, it boils down to the same fighting style we've seen since 2013's Man of Steel. It's still the same, mm, okay. you know, characters smashing each other in a, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a CGI, you know, city, you know, destruction. It's just, man, it's all been there, done that. Was it know? nice to see... You know, it, it's a Philly movie. Was it good to see <laughs> Philadelphia as a setting or no? You didn't, no, give a sh- no? you didn't give a damn. There was no explanation of John. There was no Johnny Brenda's. There was, no, yeah. I mean, there's like a, a, a Gino's cheesesteak shout out if that's what you're looking for. But No, I just think I like, you know, the fact that we get a Philly skyline. The words Philly is talked about a bit. Right. Philly police. I mean, right. you know. I feel like, uh, I don't know. That, that That's lost when it's all CGI, I guess. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Right. Also, the second one I don't think is even shot in Philly, uh, despite still taking place what in a Philly. Surprise. I Probably think it's tax purposes. Or yeah, something. yeah, I think it was shot in like Quebec and New Zealand. So, uh, there oh you really? Go. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So you know, stick around for the post credit right. because you know required <laughs> reading. <laughs> so making sure to scan the credits. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Uh, real talk, I think this whole movie just looks like trash. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, man, uh, it, I, I don't think it's cool. I, I, I think the CGI is just is just lackluster. The design as well, designed to monsters, designed to the Shazam mythos um, that he's pulling from this this magic, uh, this mystical world. It's just not scratching it for me, and and I'll be honest, maybe I just don't dig Shazam. You know, what I mean, I can get behind a lot of comic books, get behind a lot of superheroes. I was never on my own interested in Shazam, and I think visiting this, despite how well the comedy works at sometimes, 
it's that superhero sign of it that right. just wasn't doing it for yeah, me, yeah. honestly. Well, I mean, yeah. So I think it's important to recognize where this film works, especially with the DCEU missing so much, even leading up to this. But in no way does I do but in no way do I think this movie rises above a cookie cutter superhero origin movie. We're gonna go ahead and give Shazam a fifty three. Okay, fifty three, generic cookie cutter. That's what that tells me as mm-hmm. well. How? Did, but the main actor kind of did okay as far as playing it off, acting like a little, you know, adult person, acting like a little kid. Yeah, a shock and everything like that. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, watch this movie if you like Zachary Levi from uh, his TV career, from from anything like that. And if you want more of a kid-friendly as well uh, type of superhero movie. I mean, if anything, to my point about DC's offerings, they try to go, especially with Zack Snyder, they try to go so ultra-gritty, so dark, that they forget it is a superhero movie. That was part of my criticism, that it was just kind of this origin story. But I think a praise is that it doesn't forget it's about saving people and being heroic, and and that that is a win of the film. So Now, it's 2 hours and 12 minutes, too, which is kind of long, I feel like, Mm -hmm. because there's so much comedy in in this and then also it this this isn't this shouldn't be taken as a joke character though he belong almost like ant-man is a serious avenger uh, well he's it, serious it, power level he's not serious though oh he's not oh yeah yeah okay i mean don't get me wrong like like we said in the black adam review there is like a power struggle of you know some of the most powerful in the dc universe of Superman, Black Adam, and Shazam. They all are really high ranking as far as power. Okay. So I guess I guess my point is, are we gonna be seeing him showing up helping out all of his DC friends and whatever the DC Avengers will be? We'll save that for the Justice okay. League. <laughs> right. <laughs> DC yeah. Avengers. That's that's yes. how you know DC's losing the game. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll save that for Shazam too. We'll, okay, we'll, all right, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. All right. It'll be a little hush hush now. Okay. But all right, folks, all right, with that we're going to go ahead and go into our donation segment. So uh, we do have two donators today, Ooh, two producers, I should dose. say. Uh, it's been a little quiet here, a little quiet on the <laughs> podcast front a little bit, on the producer front, uh, but that's okay. So first off, let's start with our executive producer of the show. Uh, and this is, we have a Godfather donation coming oh, in. Oh, look at that. From Megan Newby. So Megan Newby is coming in and saying, love the pod, keep them coming, the Newby family. Oh, wow. So A family a humble, affair. A humble godfather. <laughs> $95. You could have written a lot more. Soft-spoken, just like Brando. But, not, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Megan and the Newby family, thank you so much. Oh, I mean, yes. that $95 is a huge amount. It's a new producer. They haven't produced mm-hmm. before. Wonderful. So, so thank you so much. And again, feel free. Yeah, it's, it's humble again. Don't yeah. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. <laughs> tear, tear into me. I'm sure. I'm sure some people are going to disagree with that first few Well, <laughs> don't worry because up next we have our associate executive producer, and we have old Matt D oh, coming back. He's coming, coming uh, to get us. <laughs> Matt D coming with in with a Space Odyssey donation, which of course is two thousand and one pennies. Wonderful. Otherwise known as twenty dollars and one cent. <laughs> Which is true, right? 2001 Pennies does make... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt D's coming in. He's saying, hi, gentlemen. I have a couple topics for today. Excellent. All right, buckle He's in. He's coming man. with an agenda. He goes, number one, question for the research department. Is Creed 3 with a 77% your highest rated third installment of a trilogy? Oh, wow. Ooh. That's a great question. Um, uh, well, that would have to go to Return of the King. Uh, no, I like Fellowship better than Return of the King. Yeah, but no, no, no. But he's saying is Creed three with a seventy-seven percent your mm-hmm. highest rated 
third installment oh, of a trilogy. Oh, I see. So as I far see. as film number three, like we know we don't get it with Predators. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We won't uh, get it with Terminator, point. probably. Yeah. That's a good point. So it would have to be know. Return of the King. And I think it just highlights that, uh, you know, I mean, the writing's on the wall sometimes with um, with series that the first is usually the best yeah. in a lot of instances. Unless he's really talking about like one, two, three films. Uh, that's just that's just labeling, though. You know what I mean? Like, you have Creed 1, mm, 2, 3. Yep, you yep. have Expendables 1, 2, 3. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but I, would, I, would, I think I think it's it's a, it's a rare occurrence to happen, especially for Creed, which I was not expecting the third to be the best. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think uh, if it's not the highest by, as far as, like, technicality, that there are higher third entries, I think it might right. be... It might take the crown for... Highest out of its own kind of self-contained trilogy. Um, yes, best best film mm-hmm. out of that trilogy being the third one. You yeah. Mean. Yeah, 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 which is uh, for sure rare. I mean, we're getting John. We're going to do the John Wicks next week, which is going to be exciting. <laughs> but as far as third film, <laughs> I in tell a, you, the third isn't the best in John Wick. <laughs> that's for sure. But as far as third goes, uh, that that would have to go to the Return of the King. <laughs> anyway, right? he's claiming it for <laughs> he's claiming it for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> anyway, okay, he has he's not done with his questions. Don't forget. Okay, right, we got the agenda. Uh, Matthew says, "Have you ever seen Election?" Uh, we need it on an upcoming episode. Oh. So Election was from the director of Sideways last Yeah. Week. Uh, no. I, no, I hadn't. Uh, election wasn't something that I even remotely. Yeah, and, and not on my radar at all. So uh, I can definitely add that to the list. Uh, because like I said, I was kind of curious uh, of more from that director. Uh, yeah, because that was the first thing we did. escaping me right okay, now. Okay, so, well, I mean, Matt D likes it, so it's something to check out there. And then he goes, number three, I'm surprised you two aren't cheering on Best Picture win for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh. You consistently argue against the stuffy, standard way of measuring films <laughs> and doiling out awards. Then we get this beautiful, relevant, weird origin story that has everything from philosophy to dildo fights. And you say the standard, <laughs> typical war movie should have won? Not only that, it's a remake of a remake of an adaptation. Come on. <laughs> I love All Quiet on the Western Front, but Everything Everywhere All at Once was special and different and did everything well. Uh, That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I think he makes a pretty good argument. Yeah, you really do. Uh, I I think, hmm. hmm. But. No, no, no. Okay, but. All Quiet was an awesome movie. I mean. One, even when we first reviewed Everything Everywhere. Right. You were praising its uniqueness. Yes. And saying like, because we talked about generic Hollywood in the review, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you're saying how nice it was to see something unique and something just so weird to see on film. Mm -hmm. And the Russo brothers backing it up. It's like, good for big Hollywood to do something. It wasn't a a niche little film that came out. Mm -hmm. So we did praise it. And then we did give it some Tom Daly's or one Tom Daly or something. I think so. Wait. <laughs> it was nominated for things. Yes, yeah. It was. <laughs> it was in the running. It got snubbed. So <laughs> and you're right. Maybe I was a little harsh last week, saying it shouldn't have gotten it. it. It was unique and weird. Sure. But I just, I get all quiet is kind of like a modern day war film. Mm-hmm. We've got this is our third good one that we've gotten in a row. Yeah. Like yeah. we talked about Dunkirk 1917. Yep. In mm-hmm. that review. But it was a really good movie. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good movie. I think. I think for both of us, it, it just hit such a spot that we love out of films, uh, and not that everything everywhere doesn't hit that, but maybe we just didn't know what to you know expect with that, right. or that it was so out of left field. But I, I think more than anything, and, and I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. For for you, yeah. I think there was just some exhaustion with the Oscars. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I didn't really have a huge desire to talk about it because, like I said, by the yeah. time. Mar- March now rolls around like I'm I'm 
20, the previous years behind me. You know what I mean? I, I watched yeah, all the movies. Definitely. I kind of now I definitely have my own like definitive opinions on them. So like it's kind of, you know. and, and I definitely don't care. Um, <laughs> it's it's just a fact of it's. But I care about things winning awards they should be. You know what I mean? Mm. If we're still gonna hold Hollywood up to some sort of prestige or craftsmanship of the highest form of like this art. Mm-hmm. You want to see people who deserve it win. Yeah. So um, that's – I think I even said last week, I wasn't crazy upset. I could understand how All Quiet won. It right. wasn't just a social justice warrior win or, sure, or sure. A, um, a minority win or something sure, like sure. that. I think it had something to do with it. Mm. Uh, but I just think All Quiet was just that good. Mm-hmm. And it was a German director who we don't really see before. Mm-hmm. It was an all-German cast who we don't really see. Like, was, yeah. They didn't really yeah. come from much. Mm-hmm. Netflix had it, so of course it came and went. No one knew about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it was that good. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But not saying that everything everywhere didn't deserve the win or anything like that. I right. think more so the observation that we had a preference for it. Yes. Uh, and just, just again, playing into that you and I, we, we like war films. Yeah. And we like gritty films. And I think mo- and most people like good war films. Yeah. And gritty yeah. films. Yeah. And, but we love this film. You gave All Quiet on a great, a great score. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the only thing I said that really shouldn't have won, I thought, was Michelle Yeoh. Uh, as as actress, yeah, uh, and you wanted to give it to her. Uh, that was so funny. I think on the episode you said uh, as um, Kate Blanchett, uh, Kate, uh, she, she won. Has. Yeah, she won uh, for a- Aviator, Aviator and uh, Blue Jasmine. Uh, she won both. Yeah. Was Blue Jasmine supporting? Uh, no, that was Maine. Okay, uh, yeah, that's and uh, Aviator was supporting. Yeah, yeah. So. Which she was barely. I love her in the Aviator. And we, oh, when yeah. people say, "Why do you like Kate Blanchett so much?" Yeah, I will bring out the Aviator. Absolutely, it's always in my pocket. Such an interesting uh, addition too, with the blue filter on Aviator. Yeah, uh, don't love the blue filter. Oh, well, you not, don't. Well, I don't like the golf course scene. <laughs> okay, okay. That being said, she's not in it very much. But <laughs> yeah, I found that. Yeah, I could have done that real time with the awards. But whatever. <laughs> But regardless, cutting her short a little bit. But. I, I'm excited to see. I think this might be a parasite effect, almost. If I if I can hmm. say it. So basically, you think about parasite, how it came out of it came out of the blue. First Korean film. Mm-hmm. You know, people hated the fact that it won. People absolutely loved the fact that it won. Mm-hmm. It was a unique film. People had that. What is this? And everything sure. like that. Sure. Then you go back into Bong Joon Ho's films, mm-hmm. and it's actually just like. Oh, it wasn't lightning in a bottle. This guy actually He's had just, something just this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> I would be interested to going back in the creators, writers, and, and sure. directors of this. Well, they do do one movie that you don't care for. They do Swiss Army Man. Uh, yeah. Right, I mean, right, right. <laughs> but that, if anything, that plays to their <laughs> brand of this kind of, it's it's silly but also emotional. It might not be it for everyone, but uh, yeah, I know, I know it's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm not gonna hold it. It's not for Tom. But uh, but yeah, um, you know, I, I think that's a great observation. Uh, and if anything, guess what? All Quiet got Best International. So yeah, yeah. kind of shared the love. Definitely. Where previously with Parasite, people were angry. I believe I believe it won International and Best Picture, and I think that was some yeah. of the the outrage, if you will. And not that. That's my perspective. There's been all. a lot of outrage coming out in the past few years too, because it's just like, oh, the movies that no one is are going to see, mm-hmm. the movies that aren't doing well box office wise, mm-hmm. are these are winning. Like, what's sure. up with the artsy fartsy stuff winning? Sure, sure. My argument to that is, well, the blockbuster stuff is hot garbage. Typically. <laughs> but that's typically. a whole long podcast on and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and oh. now they give the nods for Best Picture. You know, there's 10 nominees, so they can fit in you know, Avatar <laughs> 2 and Maverick. Literally and... all because of The Dark Knight didn't make it in. <laughs> it literally, that's what happened. <laughs> right. What that did is so funny. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so, but Matt, thank you so much for your Space Odyssey Great donation, questions. man. Absolutely phenomenal. I really like these three yeah. questions. Yeah. That was awesome to hear. I, from he him came again. with an agenda. That's yeah. great. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I made that comment saying, you know, it's been a little dry on the podcast as far as producers go. And that's really okay. You know, Vin and I, even though we're on episode 75, we've kind of just started this almost exactly a year ago as mm. far as going live sure, with things sure. and coming with our, you know, our 20 stockpiled kind yep. of episodes. Mm hmm. We're st- we, we're not coming with an audience. Mm-hmm. You weren't a film critic at a previous job and had built up an audience and came to this. Yeah, yeah. we're starting with zeros. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. So it's a it's a slow building thing. So we, we don't expect every week to sit here and have all this money rolling in. Mm-hmm. We have some reoccurring like Matt. We have brand new people like Megan and the newbie yeah, family, which absolutely. is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the coolest part is we. That's why we say a way to be a producer, especially as we're early in this. Which I know it's been a year, but mm-hmm. it's still early in this of what we want to oh, be. Absolutely. Uh, telling somebody and just getting our voice out there and you helping with that is huge. I can't tell you how much a, a Godfather dona- donation for Megan, $95. Yeah. That's a big deal. Absolutely. I mean, it really, really helped. <laughs> like, yeah. in a major way, it helps us. <laughs> that comes with a couple licenses. So. And, you know, they, it, she didn't write this long paragraph. It's yeah. just like, hey, we they clearly just enjoy, they're getting value. Mm-hmm. And they sent us $95. is incredible. Yeah. Another great thing that we're seeing is the numbers our numbers are getting better. The numbers are rising. Mm-hmm. And with each episode, with a little bit more and more people listen to, we know that people, we're getting some chatter about it and people are out there talking yep. about it. And yep. we can't tell you how important that also is mm-hmm. and how much we appreciate it. Yeah. You know, that you can't really, we don't know exactly all the conversations going on about it, but we see the numbers rising. Mm-hmm. Uh, very big deal to us. So remember, another way to produce is just get us in the conversation. Uh, tell somebody about us, a, a friend, a family member, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's on top of mind or you hear somebody talking about a movie, wedge us in there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Just as we appreciate our producers this week, Matt D. and Megan and the Newbie family, thank you all so much. Uh, just want to remind everybody again, in the coming weeks here, we're going to be having a weekly newsletter coming out. Uh, you go to the bottom of the website, any page, just go to the bottom, and you can just put your you put your first name in there, put your email in there. Mm-hmm. It allows you to confirm that you are who you say you are, and then that's it. We don't, we're not going to get other information from you. We're not going to flood you with random junk mail. Yeah, we're not going to flood definitely you. Definitely a quality over quantity kind yes. of thing. Yes. No newsletters selling you products. No new, newsletters just trying to get you to click on affiliate links and oh, things like right, that. Right, it's right. nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, the weekly newsletter is going to be some information in the movie world, some stuff you might be interested in and also very random things that might just put a smile on your face we want to come in we want it for it to come out on mondays and we think it just might be a kind of a good way to give you a chuckle a good way to start yeah, a good lead-in for the episode too. yeah exactly so. again it's dailyratings.com at the bottom of the website you can go ahead and sign up for that at the top of the website <laughs> it's got all the directions you can click on the uh, cardinal directions click on the uh, donations <laughs> button and you become a producer today just as we have executive producer megan and uh, associate executive producer sir uh we've got the great matt d coming back with us so we thank you all so much now let's get back to it we are back in philadelphia or new zealand or canada (laughs) this is shazam fury of the gods this is the same director it's david f sandberg in fact we have the same writers along with it Mm. a lot of the same producers Mm. a lot of the same even like editor and everything like that interesting so our crew is back Mm -hmm. how is our newly released shazam fury of the gods yeah so um let me let me kind of give you what you want as far as as uh, the the 
the business around DC. Oh, okay, get into here. it right away. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so there is a huge black eye on this film before it's even out of the gate. So I want to kind of explain some of this. Um, post uh, Black Adam, there is a wave of hype led by The Rock to revitalize DC's universe. That, however, both with The Rock's attempts, uh, kind of a guerrilla marketing, and as well as a box office performance of Black Adam, uh, it is fell flat on its face. I mean, seriously, they made Henry Cavill quit Witcher to then just pull the rug out from under him and cancel the whole DCEU. So DC's film offering is now being drastically (laughs) reworked. (laughs) How about the canceling of Ezra Klein's thing, of The Flash? Uh, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Now Mm -hmm. bringing him back? Oh, yeah. And then film is going to happen. They cancel Batgirl. Yeah. I mean, it's been... There's a whole slew. Yeah, yeah. So this 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 DCEU rework is being held uh, headed up by James Gunn, uh, offering a drastically different tone coming for the rebooted films. And most importantly, though, nearly all main characters will be recast, and all previous stories of quote unquote the Snyderverse is as probably is how it's going to be referred to as the era of DC competing with Marvel, yeah. uh, at least directly, is going to be made non-canon. This wait ca- wait okay everything is ditched. Everything. Casting is ditched. Latest Black Adam. Ditched. Henry Cavill Superman. Ditched. Wow. Chubb Batman with Affleck. Ditched. I mean, that's been that's been gone. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 But there there. is. But with (laughs) but with Batman, we have the side the Batmans. Yes, Batman or the Batman and Joker on their own island. And honestly, that's how they should run it. Uh, I mean, I I, you know. But but I hear that we're gonna have a newly released Batman soon. Mm-hmm. For the DC Universe stuff, uh, semi soon. I think it's called Brave and Bold, but oh that's one God. that James Gunn is going to be heading up. So it gets wow. worse. It oh, gets worse. <laughs> so uh, I have no problem with uh, rebooting everything. If anything, the DCU has been rough. It's always been second fiddle to, M- uh, to the MCU. So yeah, uh, sunk cost fallacy. Cut it. Restart it uh, again. Yeah. Make it something new. Uh, And if anything, uh, well, uh, second time. Because, again, the Black Adam one was kind of failed, honestly. It was more of a marketing attempt. It wasn't actually a reboot. This, they're really going back to the drawing board with everything. The bad spot, and why I said this is a black eye on the film, is that three movies are caught in this crossfire. Uh, Shazam 2, Aquaman 2, and The Flash, which seems to be the farewell letter to the Snyderverse. Hmm. So, Tom, I ask very genuinely... Who the hell cares about these movies when they're gonna be non-canon? There's, 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 they're shot in the foot by this rebrand announcement. And again, I don't have a problem with the rebrand, but save the announcement so you can actually have these films stand on their own, even if it's not gonna amount right, to anything. Yeah. But like the tiebacks, wow, the, how it plays into a post-credit scene, or who's showing up from the DCEU in this movie. All of it doesn't matter. And I got to say, this movie isn't doing itself any favors in other departments as well. So that's a little bit of the background. Okay, all right. If you're interested in Gunn's offerings of what the new DCEU lineup is, that's definitely something to look up online. Again, I can't stress enough for my comic book fans out there, I have no problem with the reworking. It's just that the positioning of the studio news it has, sh- has completely shot these three films in the foot. I'm 
Aquaman oh, yeah. 2, who cares? You know, Flash wow. is Flash you're only gonna care about because Michael Keaton's in it, you know? Right, right. Uh but uh it's something else. So it is it is something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, even in the rework, they fumble somehow, you know. Wow. What I mean, it's just <laughs> so bad, bad, bad. Yeah. So Shazam 2 focuses once again on Billy Batson's adopted family as they're kind of slowly being driven apart by growing up. Uh, growing up is definitely a big theme uh, in this film. Shazam is now leading his family by sharing the magical powers with his fellow orphans, giving them all the same powers he has, and is truly on his own for the first time in understanding this mystical magic that he employs uh, and the great power he controls. Uh, here to prey on that power are the Daughters of Atlas, ancient demigods with claim over the powers of Shazam and gunning to take over the world. Excuse me while I take a nap. <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, I mean... Mark Strong wasn't great as a villain. Right. Uh, you had two more villains. I mean, you know, it's no John Hughes. They're not. <laughs> they're not juggling two <laughs> villains. The daughters of Atlas. I mean, come on. You gotta. You gotta get something out of the gate that's a little bit more gripping. I mean, butts are in seats for Ant Man three because of Kang. You know, there. There's gotta be something there that draws us as a superhero villain. I would say the villain is probably more important than the superhero at this point when we're looking at all these films. And correct me if I'm... We we got Helen Mirren? Helen Mirren and and Lucy Liu. And Lucy Liu. (sighs) Which is like, they do... Okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'll tell you. Oof. It's you know what I mean? It's it's like what? <laughs> who cares? And then and it's then so there's true, and then yeah. there's a studio who cares? Yep, and yep. then there's a you know, a, a comic book universe who cares, you know. <laughs> so I, I think um a critical misstep for this film is that it doesn't give enough time with the kids, which is important to balance why the first one worked at all. We see time with the kids on screen, and then we see how that excitement, their personalities translate into this grown-up version of themselves. There's simply just not enough time with the kids to see how those personas develop into their superhero identity. The brand of Zachary Levi's comedy is not enough to hold the whole thing together, despite Kid actor uh, Asher Angel, I believe he's called, yeah. or his name is. Yep. Despite him not looking like a kid anymore, the script ignores any meaningful development of this character beneath the red suit. It's all Zachary Levi's show, and granted, he absolutely is what works in the first one, but he only works because he kind of shares the stage a little bit. Again, there's almost a setup to the to his jokes with the knowledge of a kid you know, underneath this red suit, underneath this, you know, this grown exterior. Possibly the only highlight the movie has is a pretty successful meet-cute between uh, Jack Dylan Grazer and Rachel Zegler. Uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, uh, I believe, I want to say he was in the It movies. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I remember that correctly. Yep, yep, yep. And then uh, Rachel is from the West Side Story uh, remake. Okay. So both of them, honestly, I thought were great on screen. If anything, further drives home that the kid perspective is critical for the whole premise to work. And if anything, the kid the kid perspective was the more enjoyable part to the nonsense, uh, (laughs) meaningless, magical, mystical affair, CGI, you know, vomit (laughs) that the film has for the majority of its runtime. I'm looking at a still right now, and it's (laughs) of a ridiculous looking 
It, Helen Mirren looks like Dolby <laughs> from Harry Potter. And it's just Stop, like Lucy Liu and this savage. other girl. I mean, this the CGI <laughs> looks like I'm playing a video game from 2006. Right? Doesn't this is C- like as we're jumping, like this is that's the best play PS2 yeah. can pump out. <laughs> this is what this is looking You're like. You're always right calling now. back to PS2. <laughs> this is bad. Oh, wow. Man. And that's what I mean. I, I even when I said in the in the previous one, I'm not trying to just you know, just shit on the CGI or anything like that. But like yeah. how these characters look in their digital backgrounds, one, it doesn't look like a real city, you know, at all. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's clearly CGI Philadelphia. Um, right. But there's just, I don't know, there's just this disconnect. You just, uh, there's just, it doesn't look well blended. 125 million. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's number one. It's got a, th- you know, $30 million weekend. <laughs> which for this kind of movie you want a lot more ah uh, yeah big loss <laughs> I would say that's a big loss Screen did 44 I think I know <laughs> kicking myself not watching six Scream movies uh, where the owl goes <laughs> we'll get to it when seven yeah. comes out because god knows it's coming out um, but yeah uh, I would say everything else is death by generic once again uh, the two villains played by Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren literally could be replaced with anyone they may have beef with Shazam, but nothing is done to bring personal stakes into play. At least Mark Strong was kidnapping people. You know what I mean? I don't know. The creature design is downright boring. They are able to spawn various Greek myth creatures. Uh, and honestly, it just feels vapid, like utterly vapid in the impact of the city. You'll see people on the streets get attacked not only is the saving effort from Shazam clocked down from the previous one, but like, you know, they're supposed to be like lethal creatures, and it's just like yeah. it doesn't feel. It, it, there's there's no weight to it at mm. all. And design wise, I mean, I was not impressed. And if, I, if there's anyone that's going to argue for like old Greek creatures and whatnot, it's going to be me. Like I like Cyclops, I like you know harpies and stuff like that. So like we've talked about already, CGI is super derivative, uh, specifically of Doctor Strange in Multiverse of Madness. We got more of a monster focus. That's where I think this monster focus is coming from. Mm. On top of it, they just wholeheartedly rip off the classic, well, not classic, but the iconic Doctor Strange kaleidoscope effect. Oh, they just take it. Yeah, it's just like ripped off. It's not even like a, wow. you know, like it's, <laughs> they, they, they just can't say that that's ripped, you know, completely off from Doctor Strange. It's ridiculous. You know, this may sound like a nitpick, but I feel like the locations of scenes are just completely lame. We get... Wonderful fight sequences on, you know, the top of parking garages and nondescript rooftops and abandoned gas stations. And it's like, that's why I, that's why you said, was it a good Philly movie? No, <laughs> not even slightly was it a good Philly movie. I mean, Creed wipes the floor with yeah. its authenticity, if, you know, you want to even give it that. So, I mean, I just think that's a, it's a, I don't mean to stick on location so much, but there's a particular type of failure when this this superhero movie, Shazam can fly. He can fly literally anywhere. All of Philadelphia, anything, uh, landmarks, you know, uh, some Easter eggs from the comic book. The fact that fights happen on just like rooftops and parking garages is just like, it's so makes it lame. Cheaper. It's it makes so, it cheaper to yeah, shoot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. man, 
This one was delayed a little bit. The only thing that'll give it is maybe this was in a late ripple of COVID restrictions for fl- filming. I doubt it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're talking three years out now, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can use that as excuse anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was delayed a little bit, but I don't know. That That's the only bone I'll throw it, but really visually boring hmm. uh, is, 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 the, is the umbrella note there. Uh, once again... The fumble is in the balance of comedy. This erodes at the stakes quite a bit in this film. More of a superhero focus highlights the weak spots in Shazam being our leading character. Two moments in particular, choices were made that were so idiotic and so incompetent that my brain completely shut off. Uh, I mean, I was flatlined. I was dead in the seat, <laughs> dead in the Dolby studio, <laughs> in the Dolby theater. For those that actually do decide to, to watch the movie, um, there is a villain imprisonment scene that is just so so tremendously dumb that like why they thought it would work at all is just ridiculous. And then there's also a, a, a moment where he tosses a staff and... It's in the direction of one of the villains, and they just catch it. Right. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" I just, I just, I, my brain shut off. I, I, I had no neural activity. Uh, I was a vegetable, <laughs> folks. Uh, my only desire coming off of this was to get Aquaman two done and over with, and some, some slight hope that the Flash will be half decent enough to justify Ezra Miller not being in jail. We're going to go ahead and give Shazam, Fury of the Gods, a 26. Wow. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. I, I, think, I think the 26 is definitely a judgment of the quality of the film. Wow. I think I'd be lying if I didn't say this. It's greater context in DCEU, the required reading, like I always say. Right. It, it's pointless. Don't Don't watch it. 26 is a bad film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely worse than I thought. Uh, worse than Thor Love and Thunder, which has recently been the low benchmark. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if I would disagree with that because I really had a disdain. The thing a that. Disdain <laughs> for Thor Love and Thunder. That's the right word, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only thing that was saving uh, in my head, not that it's about like rankings or anything, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian Bale kind of was saving Thor a little bit in the comparison game that is inevitable with all these. Right. You know? Okay. But yeah, no. And as far as as far as Greek gods go, or I guess if you're dealing within the god world, what's his face? What's good as Zeus? Oh, right, right. Uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chub Crowe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, 26 for Shazam for you with the gods. Maybe yeah. don't waste your time. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Folks, we're running long today. We are, we are. Hope that's okay. But we have another knockout film coming up here. This is Adam. I don't know if this is on people's radar or not. It was on mine a little right? bit. Yeah. This Mine is, as well? Yeah, yeah. I, we, both, we both saw it, not mm. together. Right, This right. is 65, and that's it. It's just 65. It is, it is in theaters now. Yep. It is Adam Driver. Uh, there's this tiny, tiny cast. How did we like 65? Uh, 65 was... Oof, oof, I feel like I'm using generic too much uh, in this episode. Um, uh, real generic, painfully so. Uh, so much like it just... I don't know. I was kind of side-eyeing Adam Driver, who's my boy, for getting a check with this one. Directors Scott Beck and Brian Woods are a team that has created a lot of meh so far. They're uh, big-time writers. Yeah. yeah. Their, their biggest writing credit is uh, Quiet Place Part 1 and 2, alongside John Krasinski. But uh, but Jim's missing from the production. Uh, and while normally I would love to give new sci-fi directors a shot, 
I would say this one is just not great. Uh, it is not good. We're really not doing well with directing duos in sci-fi, actually. Mm. We're not doing so hot. They were also big produced. Yeah, they wrote it, directed it, produced it yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, actually, and then some other people. Sam Raimi was definitely I saw working Sam, on this yeah, a it was, lot. Uh, it was producer or He was yeah. a producer. He worked with some of the music as well. Right. We have Danny Elfman uh, being co-composer. Uh, co- really? And the music was nothing mm. to remember. Oh, right. Nothing Tell to remember. Uh, George uh, Giacanto. Uh, G- uh, yeah, he yeah. had something to do, too, with wow. music. Uh, Unreal. Yeah. We, like I said, we saw this. We di- I, I wasn't going to give yeah, it... Let- a- <laughs> <laughs> let me let me toss it to you a little bit. Okay. Well, what are your thoughts, Tom? On sixty-five. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Would you give you the had, sixty-five? We were at a rest. We were at a restaurant. Andrew and I were at a restaurant. You come walking by. I kid you not. My first thing in my head was, you know, now I can't surprise him with the Tommy shoes. <laughs> and then in the first twenty minutes, I'm thinking, I don't care enough about this movie to give right. me Tommy two shoes. Yep. And then the movie continued to go, and I said, I am so angry. I have to give this a Tommy Two-Shoes. <laughs> I care for the worst reasons. I care out of anger. Right, right. I'll tell you what. The beginning of this movie was bad. Right. It had the... The middle of this movie was bad. <laughs> the end of this movie was even bad. It was even And bad. even more bad. Yeah. It was shocking how an hour and 30 minutes yeah. felt like the most Pulling boring teeth. torture. It was like a dentist appointment. I uh, no, I've had a great conversation with my dentist before. <laughs> I actually paid attention and was like, I was had a great conversation with my dentist last time I was at the dentist. Really, really. There was nothing <laughs> happening decent in this film. Yeah, nothing. You so know what happened? We accidentally, Andrew and I, accidentally walked in, sat down to realize we were in the wrong theater, and eighty for Brady was on. No, I, we both walked out. We said we should have just stayed. We should. We should have just stayed Brady. for eighty for Brady because we, we would have had a better time. <laughs> that is insane. That is insane. Um, the movie sucks. Uh, yeah, the movie. Was, unfortunately, and again. Uh, rooting for sci-fi, rooting for Adam Drive, you know what I, I mean? I, I hate to give you a big critique, though, what you sure. said. It isn't generic. Oh. It is worse, worse than generic. Ooh. It is worse than generic. This felt like a bad movie mm. on the sci-fi channel mm. made in the late 90s. The, <laughs> yeah, definitely the, late 90s. Yeah, the premise and the way it just, what the story was, if you look at the exact Plot, the synopsis, yep. whatever. Yep. You got to give uh, cliff notes on that. Right? Yeah, this is this is a 1990s uh, sci-fi production. Yeah, sci-fi channel production, Absolutely. and that's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not a good thing. Absolutely. So I think it was worse than generic, and I don't think I have anything good to say about it. <laughs> If you think you're watching a dinosaur movie, you're not. Watch Jurassic Park. Uh, sure, absolutely. And you're not watching right. a dinosaur. You're really not. You're not watching a dinosaur yeah. movie. And every single time he flipped up his little Oh, the the, his the, little the range gadget finder he yeah, had. Yeah. Boy, boy, were we not <laughs> dealing with much. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty much I'll toss it back to you now. Play a little ping pong. I, here. I, I I like I like your approach to it and I definitely agree. Honestly, it's uh oof. I, if anything perfectly described as late 90s, uh, you know, cookie cutter pump it out sci-fi was it know? getting worse and worse for you i think so yeah uh, because i feel like um the one piece that i was maybe excited for was a little bit of the survival element and more and more i saw how that went out the door you know logic um stakes right you know yeah you know me a good i would love a good survival thing <laughs> oh absolutely yeah. hopefully I have some good news for you this with, was not uh, with the next one <laughs> okay <laughs> This was not revenant with dinosaurs. Let's just say that. (laughs) If only. That would be great. Let's give a little bit of a summary here. Our our story focuses on Adam Driver playing Captain Mills, a starship captain for a 
presumably a spacefaring civilization uh, in the developing history of our galaxy. This is pre-humanity. you know, humanity. After what feels like a 30-minute opening sequence, which had me kind of side-eyeing it for Drive My Car, that's what the, that, the opening sequence reminded me of, honestly. That it was like this, it was like an episode of TV before the, yeah, the, the It was episode. short, though. It was like five minutes. No, it was like 30 minutes. No, it was not. It I, felt like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I'll give you 15. I'll give you 15. All right, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we find Mills <laughs> <laughs> crashing on an alien planet packed to the brim with vicious dinosaur creatures. Um, only surviving crew is a small girl named Koa who has to journey with him in a fight to get back to the life they left behind. Um, the structure here is real simple. Got to get from point A to point B through a jungle, through dinos, and a ticking clock, which uh, I won't spoilers on that ticking clock but when i <laughs> i laughed out loud when i knew what the ticking clock was so last time i checked sci-fi dinosaurs was done already by a little game named turok uh, but after watching the snoozer maybe there's a reason why they never adapted it i actually think the the dinosaurs are one of the blandest parts of it would you agree with that 100 uh, percent a they, letdown they as well like disappointing specifically massively yeah to the point where they kept on using the same dinosaur yes and it's like what are y'all doing yeah I would you'd think for, you'd want to distinguish the film from the semi-recent Jurassic World film as well. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, tur- tur- a Turok film would have been better. Oh yeah, like if this was generic, you would be like, "Oh, this was just like this was just like a Turok movie." But <laughs> yeah. no, it was worse than that. I'm telling yeah, you, I, I'm 100 with you. Dinosaurs sucked. Yeah, yeah. To your point, uh, the script and the idea is trying to be a little like uh, 2017's Logan, uh, as the kid doesn't speak the same language and kind of complicates the straightforward plot, but also is done in a lot of cutesy ways. There's a lot of failed bonding that happens on the film as the movie bounces between cutesy moments and intense violence in a very jarring way, honestly. I felt like every kind of cute moment they were trying to have as a bonding moment between the two just fell completely on its face. Just when a survival element is clocked up, the movie has a bad habit of releasing the pressure with these fatherhood scenes and and largely don't work. I felt like the writing was one of the weakest elements of the film, trying to shovel in pointless family garbage. And with the kid actress not being great, my boy Adam Driver doesn't have a lot to bounce off of. But I'm not saving Adam Driver here. He's not great. (laughs) He's not great on his own either. If if Adam Driver was not the lead Mm. and we had just some guy, uh, I probably would have left. Wow. Wow. Probably would have left the theater. Put that on the two shoes. Two well, shoes I, out the door. <laughs> it's, and I don't want to leave theater. I don't want to, you know, if I'm right. going to do a review. I, yeah. You know what I mean? I want to stick it out. But I, if, I was tempted to leave that in Thor and Love and Thunder. It was yeah. in the back of my head. It's just True. like, boy, this that was, those are two bad, bad, bad films. <laughs> yeah. You're totally right, though. Drop ball on everything from the moments that you're trying to have yeah. to the point where it's just so obviously you're, you're going to get those moments. It would have been mm. nice to at least just give us something or do better. Yeah. And Adam Driver, boy, I don't know if he was getting a check. I mean, $45 million budget, <laughs> relatively modest for today. Okay. Kind okay. of. And and it's just like he wasn't selling anything. Yeah. He wasn't selling anything. Yeah, he really wasn't. He had one freak out moment, and it's just like, <laughs> all right, he saved all his emotion. I'll film for this. I was like, all right. Yeah. I would say my number one cri- criticism is just bad use of resources in a survival story. Um, the story will spotlight a few factors like the ammo count on his space gun and the protection of his suit, but then proceeds to do nothing with them. As a result, 
result, the story has very little stakes, despite being presented as this this dire survival challenge with dinosaurs after their throats. I I think it hurts the lethality of the dinosaurs as well. I never felt threatened by these dinosaurs, despite how generic they were. So... I'll actually end with maybe some slight props to sound design. Uh, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed the sound effects of the tech of the story, the sound of the gun, sound of the beeps and boops of the ship. But honestly, uh, there is a super generic design everywhere else, though. Uh, like this civilization yeah. is humanoid; they are not actually human. This doesn't need to play it safe with its sci-fi aesthetic. Uh, a perfect example of this is this is presumably a galactic civilization. Uh, and they're using paper booklets to document crew members, and they're wearing knitted long sleeves and generic athletic wear. Like, the girl has sneakers on, and it's just like, (laughs) stop it! Just, I don't know, care? I don't know. Uh, Design may be a nitpick for some, but for me, when it's sci-fi, it's about, you know, the the critique is always for what the film is, and for sci-fi... That context, that design matters because it's giving substance to the sci-fi world. You know, it's it's storytelling right. through the tech that they employ and seeing Adam Driver in like a family knitted shirt. Right. It's just <laughs> like so bad. But folks, I think it is painly, painfully forgettable. Uh, and this brought me a lot of disappointment for the week because uh, I would say I was I was a little hyped for this. But I'm going to say now, probably best to stay away. We're going to go ahead and give 65 a 30 on the dot. 30 on the dot. Totally good. Totally good. Yeah. I was afraid you were even going to touch the high 40s oh, or something no. like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, believe me, I, I at worst, I, I thought it was going to dip into, you know, just a generic 50s film. It got worse. You know, I yeah. totally agree yeah. with you. It compounded. It did. <laughs> it it did. On. It was getting more and more upset. And it's only an hour and 33 minutes. Right. But boy. Yeah. It's a, it was a slog. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the introduction for Tommy right. Um, Let's see. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that was my whole take. I mean, I pretty much said, what I, you know, I agree with everything you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you at least gave it props, I believe, for the beeps and boops. We had a, <laughs> that's in quotations. Um, so I guess I could agree with that. <laughs> that's my critical opinion, beeps and boops. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm trying to be clever, trying to think of because here's the problem. Sure. One shoe doesn't say that it's bad enough. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like. So, <laughs> it's not a Tommy flip flop. It's oh, not a right. Tommy flip flop. Because it doesn't flip to good. Well, the whole point of the Tommy flip flop for Ocean's 8 was like this movie tries to flip and all it does is flop. <laughs> so it's like it's a Tommy flip flop. That's glad, how, that's glad how you that gets. On that's how <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little bit on the wrong page. So, as far as 65 goes, I'm trying to be cute and trying to like mix it in with like a dinosaur slang. <laughs> But it, it's like that in itself is cool, right? Which this movie is not. It's not cool. Okay. <laughs> this, so this movie gets. Well, let me ask you this: In any scenario, would you recommend this film? No. Okay, then I think I think I think you're running barefoot. Okay. <laughs> okay. And see, that's what I've been boiling it down to lately. Like, how do I actually recommend this? Who do I recommend? This? And you know you what know? the funny thing is, I would watch Ocean's Eight before this film. Wow, there you go. Because Ocean's Eight is so hilarious in its own way. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Sixty-five gets. A zero shoes. Zero. It gets zero shoes. shoes. You heard it here, folks. I think first zero shoes. Shooting blanks. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's zero shoes. Zero shoes. First time ever. <laughs> Shooting blanks out of that space gun. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be so cl- honestly. I was trying to be so clever with it. I didn't spend much dinosaur. time thinking about it. Something with dinosaurs. Something yeah. with like his ammo or something like oh, that. Oh, maybe maybe a dinosaur footprint. You know? Yeah. yeah. No. It, it, it's it's, it's absolutely. Well, I was thinking about one one dinosaur, but even that is like if you see one dinosaur footprint, that's yeah, still a big exciting. deal. They're pretty yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. A lot of dinosaurs <laughs> only have two shoes. You know what I mean? So anyway. It gets Bare a zero foot. because it's that good. I would never recommend this to anybody. Mm. I think everyone should be very wary mm. because I knew it was a smaller film. Like I knew the budget wasn't that big. It wasn't being promoted much. Sure, sure. But it's, I still thought it was Adam Driver with, with space right. guns and dinosaurs. Yeah. It I wasn't know. really. Well, it was, but it was, it was bad. Chips anyway. away. I'll certainly be a little bit more bashful in calling him my boy. So <laughs> No, it's fine. Everyone needs him. Everyone needs something everyone like needs that. Everyone needs a boy. But uh, boy, okay, so we definitely disagree. In fact, I might be lower because thirty percent is around my one shoe territory. Okay, fair, fair. So I'm giving it zero shoes. Yeah, big time, (laughs) big time. All right, that's enough on that. That's enough time on that for sure. Uh, We're gonna move on. Long episode, folks. (laughs) We're not even done yet. This is a media producer segment. Oh, it's media. Yeah, it's media all around. Okay, so media all around. This is the film that it was like the one trailer Vin saw last year. He was actually excited to see this movie. (laughs) It is with our boy, I'll say, Willem Dafoe, yes, for sure. Absolutely. We're a big fan of Willem Dafoe. This movie is now playing. It's now released or just released. This is Inside, di- directed by someone we I don't think we definitely don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vasilis, Vasilis Katsupis. Wow. Excellent job. I, I don't even have the balls to try to pronounce that I name. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, we're, it's, it's rated our film. It's an hour and 45. I don't think a lot of people know that this film exists. I don't think they know much about it. Do a brief setup a little bit and tell us what was your excitement from and how did it actually end up faring? I gotta say, this film was right up my alley, what I wanted. I I was originally hyped for it for that trailer. You know, I I really hate trailers. So when I saw this, this didn't want to make me blow my brains out. So that's a real big positive. (laughs) It's a big positive, yeah. Yeah, So, uh, but (laughs) seriously, I I love the whole premise and the feel of that trailer. And I knew I had to include it on this week's watch list. Our story here is an art heist gone wrong. Willem Dafoe plays Nemo, a burglar dropping into a high-end luxury penthouse to steal a handful of paintings. Um, within our opening 10 minutes of the film, however, the alarm springs, sealing, sealing the high-rise into a gigantic panic room, essentially, uh, or, for, uh, or de- for Defoe's circumstances, his new prison. Now, the entire runtime of the film is trapped in this gorgeous palace of art and luxury, but The structure of the story is what surprised me here. I would describe this as a psychedelic survival film, and I'll break that down. But that in a penthouse, yes. Uh, uh, But survival film is is the core there. I put this right next to Castaway and Martian. Okay, swear to God, I'm in. Yeah, how Nemo operates as a character trapped within this apartment quickly becomes an unexpected survival challenge. Early on, he's he has a kind of a, a semblance of hope that he may escape with actually his his picks, his mm. his his paintings that he's stealing. But quickly that goes out the door and, and very quickly that shifts to him just trying to survive because he doesn't know how long he's gonna be trapped into this penthouse. 
that challenge is fought mentally as well. A sort of twisted cabin fever. Um, as sharp and cunning as Nemo is as a thief, uh, his mental state degrades unusually fast as he's surrounded by all this surreal art and it's beginning to kind of seep into oh, his psyche. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Uh, it's... it's huh. It's exactly what you want out of Willem Dafoe. <laughs> you want to see him just go crazy. <laughs> right, you know? right. It's exactly what I wanted out of the film. Not that I expected a survival film as its story structure. None the slightest. Sounds really risky, too. Yeah, yeah. This takes place in New York? Like uh, it's a New York penthouse? Uh, uh, nondescript. Uh, presumably Manhattan, though. Okay, yeah. okay. It yeah. seems, yeah, it seems risky. Yeah. A survival uh, story in, a, in, in an a apartment. <laughs> yeah. Right, because it, that alone, it's like, what? oh, great. He's in a penthouse. He's stuck. That's not really stakes, but it's fascinating how the film clocks up stakes and then again if that's even not enough for you you have this kind of mental degradation from uh, from Defoe's right. character okay. from Nemo uh, and this is exactly what I want out of characters characters written and acting like their character role we spoke about this importance with our Jurassic Park 1 review not once do they ever stop acting and operating within the plot like scientists very similarly here in this mm. movie Defoe never stops acting and problem solving like a master thief. He's sharp as attack until he goes a little mad. <laughs> and that's shown in, in the trailer of, you know, Defoe's acting and talking to a pigeon and whatnot. And uh, honestly, that, that's, that's definitely 50% of why this movie hits so much for me because I just love... Even Defoe just being a solo act, basically. He is. Uh, he's, he's very fascinating. I, I was kind of just thinking back on Defoe and everything like that. He is becoming one of the top, top art house actors. Yeah. You go back through his filmography, and he's so impressive that he doesn't chase big films. Now, yeah. he was, I understand he's Green Goblin and everything sure, like that. Sure. But the dude, I just appreciate him for loving the art. Yeah. He's not a guy who will go take the paycheck. Absolutely. Except for maybe if it's Green Goblin or something. But, <laughs> but he's a great I, Green Goblin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's film after film after film of low budget but great storytelling. And you, and look how he hits. You're enjoying this. You have Florida yep. Project. Oh, sure. And so many Lighthouse. others. Yeah, right. Lighthouse. Absolutely. Exactly. Right, absolutely. Uh, he's becoming like the art house guy. I, I think that's great, and I'm, I'm happy to give him the crown too. So, yeah, I, I think again in this kind of problem solving he has in the penthouse, it stays focused on escaping the entire time. The script never once leaves the film's own logic, and it makes watching Defoe problem solve for an hour forty five uh, very gripping. Um, in addition to him going crazy, so. Every avenue of him escaping this panic room is explored. Um, just when you think you have a critique for the story of just saying, uh, I'd actually do this first, or I'd do that. Uh, honestly, it hit me that Defoe is trying something new to get out and survive. And talk about a, in stark contrast with 65, an actual survival movie <laughs> with actual, dine, you know, with real stakes. Yeah. <laughs> Defoe's eating caviar for 30 days, right. you know? <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's crazy how in the execution this was a better survival movie than 65. So, wow. uh, and, and a great one too. And I get why calling a survival may sound like an odd genre to putting it put it in but it really unfolds as that and like i said i would honestly put this right next to a castaway a martian in its structure because it's 
unique that it's in a penthouse, and it's unique that Defoe is our leading man and a sole leading man, but it he's not... There's no character motivation other than getting, getting out, out of this hell that he's huh. trapped in, this prison that he's trapped in. Like I've hinted bad already, it is honestly great watching Defoe be weird <laughs> the whole time, yeah. you know? He's a, he's a kind of a cat burglar, high-end art thief, but he's eccentric as well, and it's led in with some narration to kind of introduce us to the character and why he may not have all his marbles, basically. Okay, all right. A lot is riding on his shoulders to entertain as a solo act as well, and he does not disappoint. This is a great performance and it's a great performance because he's not really talking all of the time he'll eventually do some monologues and some narration but so much of the film is just silent and he's him you just see him scanning the room and trying to find out how the hell does he get out of this hmm. man i was just right there for it i was yeah. i was so about this movie the cinematography is gorgeous so many wonderful shots have a beauty to what he's trapped in, but also lends to serious storytelling. Uh, it communicates what you need to know and does not hold your hand. Um, if something is shown to Defoe or shown to the audience, it's not narrated, it's not spelled out, it's there to keep in your mind. And you know, though the film may be very quiet, Though the film may be a little bit boring for some, uh, it, it's something to engage with. Uh, it's not going to hold your hand through this. Uh, some couple examples of this is that very early on, he tries throwing a stone. Uh, it's like this orange, like stone centerpiece, mm -hmm. at a at a at a glass window. He's he's at the top floor of a high rise. Instead of us seeing it bounce back off, the next very scene is just the stone laying on the floor and Defoe walking up to it, defeated. Uh, you know, there's no extra communication there. Right, it's like right. You fill it in. Uh, another great thing is that the temperature is fluctuating very oddly uh, in the in the entire film. We see this through it being on the temperature gauge, but by the sweat on Defoe's back, when the cool finally turns on, we don't get a shot of little right, little, little tassels. Yeah, yeah, little tassels little. over it. We just see <laughs> Defoe in ecstasy over it finally being some cool air. Like that's what I mean. It's on his shoulders and yeah. he's running the whole show. Like it he's doing a good he's job. So good. <laughs> yeah. Freaking love Defoe. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me give some real talk for the second time this episode. Uh like I said a little bit, um some might find this boring. Some might not weigh logic of a script as heavily as I do and not get kind of pissed off when it doesn't fill up to log logic. Honestly, some might not be into a movie with, you know, Willem Dafoe going mad for, for an hour and 45, you know. <laughs> that may not be some people's bag, but I would argue two things for the appreciation of this film. Engagement is driven through Defoe's attempts to constantly try to escape, and the subtle horror setting in of how long he's actually been trapped in this place. And secondly, uh, the dripping gorgeous shots that not only comprise the visual appeal of the film and the art and the luxury, but tell a story of their own and, again, subtly tune in some horror themes. We're going to go ahead and give Inside an 81. Wow. First new film. Cracking the 80s. That, yeah. Um, you know. We're in <laughs> March, but that's okay. You're right, you're right. It's been a minute, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, this was exactly what I wanted uh, out of it. Fantastic. I, yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to watch it. I mean, if it's getting an 81, it's got the foe in it. Mm. And if it's kind of survival, watch the foe go. <laughs> 
He is so good. Yeah. There's a lot we have to cover from him. True. He, do we cover Antichrist? Oh, no. That's Lars Van Trier. Right. Um, well, but, those are going to be some doozy movies okay. when I have to cover those. <laughs> is that on the birthday list, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Antichrist. Um, an 81 for Inside. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. And I, I, an hour and 45. Yeah. Uh, I was I was so pleased with it. And, and, and don't get me wrong. This is not... I'm not giving it such praise because I was in such a drought this week of good movies. I, I, I'm telling you, you. 87 for Paris Bueller, don't forget. <laughs> Saw it twice, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I was starved. I, I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. But seriously, I mean, this film was... Man, it just it just doesn't hold your hand, and it's so good to see him on screen. I loved it. Well, we're gonna have to keep an eye on the director. I mean, yeah. you're saying that the cinematography was good too. I mean, yeah. it, we're gonna have to keep an eye on Absolutely. what's going on here. Absolutely, he really has or he or his, her. I don't know. He has basically one other kind of feature length, hour and a half documentary yep. kind of. Yep. But, and this, you can tell, there's a long list of producers in the front. You can tell he know, probably just site. got this penthouse to film in. Like, it's some rich dude's actual penthouse. You know? Like an Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, probably. I would love to see the shooting schedule, actually, for this. Yeah. You yeah. know? Sometimes magic can be captured like that. I think Whiplash was shot in, like, 21 days or oh, less. Oh, wow. Or something That's like that. That's great. That's great. It might have been less. Um, yeah. Whiplash might have been, like, nine days or something. I don't, for I don't real? Know. Yeah. Wow. Regardless, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't sleep on this film. Right yes. now... It probably is in a theater. If you're somewhere in the suburbs, there's probably or city. Yeah. There's a theater, maybe somewhat close to you. More rural, probably this isn't making the cut. Right for... now, it's in 357 theaters, which yeah. is not a lot. Right, uh, right. Luckily, we have one that's close. Yep. The next closest is it's not all that close, but sure. it's also because it's the first week. Hopefully, if it gets a little bit of love, yep. Next week, we'll see it in in, in some more. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if this is a soft rollout. And depending on critic reviews and how it does per per theater, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we might see this in a thousand or fifteen hundred or something yeah. like that. Absolutely. Uh, so don't sleep on it. It's called Inside uh, with Willem Dafoe and eighty one percent. Awesome, Ben. Really, Absolutely. really good. One last note, uh, just just for you, really. Please. Uh, better than this movie, but reminded me of The Hunter a little bit. Just that it's a solo act with Dafoe, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I like The Hunter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So. The Hunter and Inside, I'm sure, are both better than The Martian, too. We should say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not talking real. like The Martian some great movie, <laughs> right. but I understand what you're saying with the premise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, well, he's we'll ready. Just, he's we just, ready. Should we just jump into it right Extra away? Long, I, I was curious if it was going to make the edit. <laughs> okay, yo, you were just screwed. We're, go, we're going long. We're yeah. going long. And so okay. It's okay. Okay. All right, so, well, I got to write this down. I got ooh, ooh. Listen, I can text it to you, too. <laughs> Okay, so these are my these these are my we didn't do this last year. No, no, this is this is hopefully the start of I mean, a I, wonderful I, I mean, tradition. I, I feel like I have given up suggesting films for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's one coming up actually, new one that you put on your list. But okay, so we figured okay, my birthday's coming up. We'll, yep. do, we'll do my films. Yep. We have a new release that'll be Super Mario Brothers as well. Now this will be in early April or the second week in April when yeah. the, when the yeah. episode will come out. Watching week is first week of April. I want to give these out now just so if you have time to watch them, sure. I'll watch them with you. You don't want to do the five and give it. Well, I we have, can ditch Super Mario. No, no, no. Like, like well, like we said, I have four and then I have two. Oh, okay. Okay. So basically, what's going to happen is if you have time for a sixth film, Super Mario is happening. Okay. Okay. Fair. All right. If you have time for a sixth film. Mm-hmm. We're gonna pick today what one of these t- what it will be out of one of these two. Does <laughs> okay. that make sense? Yeah, I weird. like it. I like it. So you can pick between the, the two, and then we may or may not do it in the end. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so give me the mandatory four. 
Okay, so the mandatory four that you have to watch, and like I said, I'm going to watch them too. Okay. And give them a Tommy Two Shoes, presumably. <laughs> love it, love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you these films in order of newest film to oldest film. Okay. I would suggest, if you can let me totally Mussolini out and, and, <laughs> and have total control, I suggest, and I'll, I will be watching them in sequ- sequential order, though. Okay. So I'm going to go earliest to latest. You want me to do that? I, I honestly think it might be the way to do it, yeah. and we can get into why I think Listen, that. That's all good. But we're going to start with newest and then go back. Okay. 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 So, so first on the, so first on the list. Oh, let me just say this. He's getting I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, zero westerns are on the list. No. I can't believe it myself. Wow. Here's the thing. I really can't believe it. I am still. Your Woody title will be will be taken for back. whatever reason. For whatever reason, I I still have this 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 <laughs> fantasy that we'll be doing a John Wayne part one and then part two special. <laughs> I don't know when that's gonna come. Yeah. I'm thinking by next birthday, if there is no John Wayne or John Wayne special yep. or something like that, or big this... heavy hitter westerns. <laughs> that's what my birthday's gonna turn into. I like it. I okay. Like it. So no John Wayne, no Westerns. No Pilgrim. So And I could have been like mean. I could have been like, oh boy. I, I had some films and I was like, oh, this would be hilarious. But I didn't want to just give you shit films for you to watch. I thought it, that would be it's, it's your birthday. So this is very fair. Okay. Films you would never guess. Okay. But very fair. Okay. So first on the list, we have 2018's Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. <laughs> oh, no. This film is Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, wait, is this the film that we uh, that we both watched and we hated? No. Oh, don't worry, he won't get far. Okay, go ahead. I'm I sorry. I, yeah, I, don't I shouldn't know. interrupt. I don't know which. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I can guarantee you didn't see this. This is an Amazon basically okay. original film. Okay. Ringing bells. Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Jonah Hill. Oh, okay. is a supporting character. All right. I don't have the exact quote from Jonah Hill, but Jonah Hill was so pissed off. He said. That was because Amazon kind of crushed it. Something else came up or something oh, really? happened where okay. they just buried it immediately. Okay. And Jonah Hill was furious saying, that is the best acting I'm probably ever going to do in my life. Wow. And they just canned it and they torched it. Now no one's going to see it. Really? Over Wolf of Wall Street too. Damn. So I saw this uh-huh. already and I can't wait to see it again. Okay. I really like this movie. All right. I really like this movie. And by the way, really like Jonah Hill in it. Okay. Like it was very impressive. Interesting. You can get some remnants of it in You People. In the Netflix that just came out with him. Oh, I didn't. I didn't check it yeah, out. Yeah, Andrew and I watched it, I, but but this is a performance of his that's very good. And Joaquin Phoenix is crushing it. Okay, all right. Don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Okay, okay, that's 2018. Lengthy title. Now I'm thinking. Okay, now now I want a comedy. You know what I mean? And what do I do? <laughs> In the palette. We, we talked about dodgeball, right? You know I'm a oh, wedding crashers, yeah, guys. Yeah, but that's kinda, you kind of saw that recently. You know what yep. I mean? It's just like I don't. Do I just pick a random one? <laughs> And then I thought, my boy, big time Vince Vaughn, right? Because I got all these Vince Vaughn movies already in my head. He's got them. Let's take it back a little Captain bit. Captain Loaded. Film I haven't seen. Oh, okay. And I'm excited to watch with you, uh-huh. okay? We'll go back to 1996's Ooh, Swingers. Swingers! Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So I'm that's down ni- with Swingers. Yeah, 1996 Swingers. So jump back. A serious jump back. So these, we, the majority of this is going to be some old films. Yeah. Next, <laughs> next on the list. Uh huh. I haven't seen it. Again, excited to see it with you. <laughs> okay. 1957's The Bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> oh wow! It's a heavy. It's, it's a heavy one. It's a heavy hitter. Uh, you know, I haven't seen it either. And so. people say it's a phenomenal movie. Okay. Uh, also, it's from the 50s. <laughs> yeah. So I thought we get some 50s like magic that. in there. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a famous like movie from that era. People I've, say it's, it's like, like on greatest list. Yep. 
Okay. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, the bridge of a uh, bridge on the River Kwai. Next and our and our last one, which I think is what we should start with, mm-hmm. 1925's <laughs> Battleship Potomkin. Oh, oh my god. The reason for this film the, the, Wait, there's one in 1920 because that's been remade a few times. Yeah, this is the OG. The reason for this film is one, uh, I had brought it up to you months and months ago, uh-huh. maybe even over a year ago. Uh-huh. It is consistently rated one of the best films ever made. Wow. It is a silent film. It is based off of, I believe, a true event, which was mm. a mutiny that happened in 1905 on a Russian submarine. Oh, wow. And um, so 20 years later, it was redone. Um, but still to this day, considered one of the best films. And because it's a silent film, because it's 1925, it's one. 25? 1925. They have you From a Russian then, director. You know? <laughs> wow. So I was. It was probably going to be difficult for me for just sit down and actually watch this. Yeah. I think same for you. Sure. So this sure. is the way that we're going to watch Love this it. film. Love it. Battleship Potomkin. Okay. Okay. All right. I think it's a pretty good list. I think it's That's fair. A, <laughs> unexpected is right. I yeah. love the the jarring sw- <laughs> switch to swingers. <laughs> so this is what I think. I think Battleship Potomkin is like okay. an hour and six minutes. Okay. Okay. But it's also yeah, like, good. it's also silent film. It's old. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Then we're going to have this long 50s movie <laughs> yeah. and more film. So to bring us up, we have this light, snappy swingers comedy. <laughs> And we'll end it with something quite modern, actually, yeah, and a movie yeah. I think you're actually quite going to like. Uh, that's great. And, I, I love and it. that's that's all I'll say about it because I okay. don't want to get in your head too much or sure, for sure. You to expect much. Okay. Um, What's our optional two? Our optional two. <laughs> I forgot that I had said last week about the optional two. So on my way home from work, I picked an optional two that I actually quite like. Okay. Here are the optional two. <laughs> here, here they are. Body of Lies or Blood Diamond? Oh, wow. Both Leo movies and both Leo movies that people tend to forget about a little wow. bit. Wow. You know, Blood Diamond might make the cut. What, so, what better movie to lead into Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> Blood Diamond. Uh, I've always liked Blood Diamond. The yeah. only reason why I said put Body of Lies in, I believe they came out the same year. Yeah. And I think because Blood... Leo was doing lies. a lot of work in those years. Yes. Yeah. Body of Lies, definitely seen by less people, mm-hmm. but I have heard that it's not bad, so I thought maybe you'd be interested in being like, you know what? Okay, let's give mm-hmm. that a go. I think, uh, not to commit early, I think it will be Blood Diamond if I do out of the two. Okay. But... We're picking now, though. Okay. Uh Let's do Blood Diamond. By the way, not to say this is going to be watched. Am am I picking or are you picking? No, you're picking. (laughs) You're picking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mussolini's taking a step back. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Blood Diamond. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I think Blood Diamond, that's been slightly a movie I've been wanting to return to. Okay. So So let's just say this. If you have Mm -hmm. time for a sixth movie. Yeah. We will watch it. But when I say there's no pressure, I mean there is no pressure sure, to sure. watch that. Okay? Seriously. I, I mean, honestly, April's kind of sparse enough. We can push Mario down the line. There's also air. I, you know me. I don't want to push Mario back. Okay. It's All a right. heavy hitter. I think people are going to want to hear it. Yeah, I'm going to want to hear it. Let's stay. <laughs> you I, I, the Mario. Yeah. All right. That's a list. <laughs> that's, that's it. I will say that's a very unexpected <laughs> list. If I had to put money on this what, list, you would folks, have been saying Western. oh, westerns or all like comedies. I, I thought you were going to hit me with Wedding Crashers, no doubt. I know, and, and that's that's why I didn't do it. But I kept I kept you in the realm of Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. The problem with the John Wayne thing is, I still think I. Us doing batches of him might mm-hmm. be the way to go. So sure. then I was thinking, okay, maybe we'll do a Brannigan, you know, because that <laughs> wouldn't be on a John Wayne. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I know you mean. <laughs> Folks, uh, I guess we'll, we'll save the explanation for Brannigan when we finally touch <laughs> we on We have Brannigan. more time, yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, those are the films. Uh, Vin, is there anything you want to uh, add to this week or anything like that? A roll credit. Uh, just a, a heartfelt thanks to both the producers. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely tremendous. And, and no matter what, we love hearing from you. So uh, if you like the John Hughes study, if there's another kind of film study that you're interested in, feel free to write in. But uh, we're running long, so <laughs> I'll end it right there. <laughs> well said, Vin. Uh, I, I, yeah. Agree completely. Thank you so much to the producers. Uh, and again, you can still produce by just getting our name out there. And for those of you sending monetary donations, it just means the world to us. Thank you so much for that. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter at the bottom of the website. And folks, we will see you. Uh, you know what? We forgot to run down the movies last week, and we're going to run them. I don't want to uh, forget again, even though we're running long. I we forgot, have, yeah. <clears throat> especially with this. Ferris Bueller's Day Off with an 87%. Shazam! Exclamation Point with a 53%. Shazam! Exclamation Point. Fury of the Gods <laughs> with a 26 65 with a 30%. And Inside with an 81%. Folks, thank you so much. We will see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. <laughs> If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. We greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. <laughs>